This is Joy Pullman. Welcome to the Common Good Podcast. Today I am visiting with Tina Antrim. She is a new addition to the Redeemer Classical family. Um, she's a financial coach that we're working with to refer families to who apply for our financial aid. So Tina, welcome. Thank you. Today, we're just going to talk about some of our tips. Uh, some of I, I'm going to actually let Tina do all the tips. I don't have very many <laughs> uh, financial aid tips. That's your, your domain. Um, but some tips for families who are thinking about a private school, whether it fits into their budget, whether they can make room for it, and basically you know, where to look and, and where to start with that process. So Tina, the first thing that I wanted to talk about, why don't you just go ahead and tell folks your background, um, in, in, especially you know, related to this topic? Sure. Um, well, you know, I, my background is in counseling and coaching. Um, so about five years ago, I started in life coaching um, and it was a pretty broad area. So I was trying to figure out how to niche down and I've always been interested in money. I wasn't always very good at managing my money. Um, I, when I was younger, had gotten into a lot of debt, was living paycheck to paycheck and really just kind of got stuck and took me a while to figure out how to get out of it. Um, and I'm like on the other side now. And so my goal has just been to help people, you know, get out of that paycheck to paycheck lifestyle and find the financial freedom, find you know, the, the way to be able to do what they want to do when they want to do it and have the means to be able to do so. So I work with people, I work with clients uh, to help them come up with a system to manage their money that is better than what they've been doing so far. And I know, I mean, I know from just kind of general polling, you know, public opinion sorts of things that very, mm -hmm. I, I would say the vast majority of Americans don't feel like they have a good handle on their money. And I mean, America is the richest country in the world. So, I mean, obviously, you know, there, we have poor people, you know, there are poor people, but a lot of people do have enough money to pay for their needs and a lot of their wants. It's just that we know that nobody has ever taught them or they've never, you know, gone through systematically and you know, it's not been passed down for whatever reason, you know, they haven't learned how, you know, to manage that in ways that help them, you know, really do what they want with their money. So um, right. when you talk with people who, you know, who are basically in that situation, because um, uh, what, what do you tend to find are the, some of the most common or top places that they can start, you know, to, to look at their money, you know, the, to address um, that concern that they have? Yeah, you know, it's so true. There's so many studies and it doesn't seem to change over the years. It still stays at like around that 75% of people mm -hmm. are living paycheck to paycheck. And in, for the most part, it's not about the money. It's not about the income. It's about what we do with what we have. And like you said, we don't manage it very well. And, and it, partly it's because we just were never taught how to manage our money and, and our emotions get in the way so much. Mm. We emotionally spend and we get um, tied to, you know, well, this is what I want and I want it now. And so that's when we get into so much debt is because we're not able to 
make ourselves wait for something until we have cash to pay for it. I think that one of the biggest things that when people come to me, they're just like, I need a plan. Mm. I don't know what to do. I don't even know where to start in this Mm -hmm. situation. So I think the biggest thing is that you just, you have to have a plan and you have to be intentional about what you're doing with your money and where it's going to go. So you're saying basically you need to have a handle on kind of what the inflow is, what the outflow is and make the outflow more something that you specifically decide ahead of time. And then in the moment you stick to it, you say, Oh, you know, my priority is a, B, C, and D. This is E or F. So we're going to stick with A, B, C, and D. Yeah. So you create a list of your priorities and, you know, obviously a lot of your bills are going to be top mm-hmm. priority, right? You got to pay for housing. You've got to pay for your car. You've got to pay for utilities. You know, you got to pay for those basic kinds of expenses. Um, you know, Nowadays, we all believe we've got to pay for a cell phone bill. Well, you know, in all honesty, that is still a luxury. That is still something that we choose. It's not a must have, even though most of us think that it is. We can't imagine anymore not having that. Um, But we've got to think about what we really need versus what we want. And that can be a really hard conversation to have sometimes. Mm, sure. Because you're not just talking about money, you're talking about values and you're also talking in, in a bit of a sense about kind of character. So it can be very personally hard, you know, cause we yes. think of ourselves as good people. We try to behave well, you know, to other people. And so it can be really hard to pull that our money out into the light and have to talk about it. But you know, if you'd never do that, well, it's just going to fester. Right. And it can be really, if you, you know, if you know that you just have not been managing your money very well, or maybe you are in debt, um, or you just, you know, for whatever reason, at the end of every month, you are looking at your, your checkbook going, where did all my money go? I don't understand it. I make really good money. What happened? Mm -hmm. You know, and it's, we just are not cognizant, um, on a daily or monthly basis about where our money is going. It just kind of, we know we've got money and we spend it and we don't track those little things, you know, even going to a vending machine every day and get spending a dollar 25 for a soda. Well, that's five bucks a week, Mm -hmm. 20 bucks a month. Um, You know, I tell people to look at your statements, your checkbook, and look at where your money is going, and that will tell you where your values are. And I'm thinking, I mean, I have also heard that if not the number one, you know, definitely in the top three issues of conflict, conflict, particularly for married couples, is money. Uh And if we're talking about it in terms of our emotions are involved, you know, our, our, our values, as well as maybe a sense of shame. You know, you bring all that into a marriage and you have two people with both of those things. You can obviously, yes. you know, you can see very clearly why that'd be even more difficult um, for, for a couple. Yes. You know, and we come into, especially with couples, you come into that space with each of you having your own money story. Mm. So we all have different experiences and different things that we were taught about money. Some, you know, I work with a lot of couples that 
you know, they say opposites attract. Well, the same thing happens with money Uh a lot of times. Opposite money personalities attract. So a spender might marry a um, A a saver, you know. Um, you know, and uh, two savers might get married, two spenders might get married, but each of them have different experiences and were taught different lessons that brought them to how they think and feel about money. And that can be really wearing on a relationship if they're not cognizant of that story that they're bringing into that marriage. Yeah, it's been really good for my husband and I. When we were married, as we had zero dollars, we had negative money. We were, you know, <laughs> recent college graduates, so you know, we had to communicate because we had so little money that you know, if somebody spent something, the other person didn't have it. Um, so that was, I mean, it, it was touch and go there, you know, and that stressful, but also it really benefited us because we got into a habit of checking with each other, and we also you know, uh, developed a plan for what we wanted to do, you know, where, where our goals were in life. Right. Um, you know, and so when we did that mutually, you know, then that helps both of us. Cause we say, Oh, you know, we have a budget for this and we're free to spend within it, but we, you know, we've decided this together. So it's kind of like breaking our deal if one of us goes outside of it. So that's really, that's great because we have that open communication line, you know, that's been developed. And I imagine it would take a lot of pressure off a of marriage to be able to have that, you know, happen for them. Absolutely. And that's so awesome that you guys did that. And I think too often that doesn't happen or, uh, you know, and it's okay to be, it's okay to be a spender. I am a spendaholic by, you know, that's just, I, I call myself a recovering spendaholic. (laughs) Um, (laughs) It was really hard for me to get out of that mindset. Um, But a lot of it is my money story. Um, Now I, tend to save more, but I tell people there's got to be a balance. It's Mm. about giving, saving, investing, and spending. You know, those Mm -hmm. are the four roles, the four things that we do with our money. And you can't put 100% into giving. You can't put 100% into saving. And you can't put 100% into spending. You've got to have a balance. And when you come into, you know, a marriage, it's okay for one person to be a spender and one person to be a saver because you're going to balance each other out. Hmm. You know, the spender well, is going to kind of re- dynamic could be an asset to the marriage. If, the, if both folks, you know, can learn to approach it the right way. Yeah. yeah if they can, yes. If they can value recognize. the one person who spends and also to value the other person who saves. Absolutely. I've, I've thought, I've thought about that in terms of generosity too, because I know some very generous people, <laughs> which is, yes. again, that's great, but that's kind of, you know, that can be an aspect of spending. Um, so can. if they're married to a, a, a more prudent spouse, you know, then they are able to both be charitable, but also to have money to pay their bills. Right. Yeah. It's a matter, like you said, of communicating and coming to a common agreement on where, what are we going to do with our money? Because it's not his money. It is not her money. It's our money. Mm-hmm. what do we want to do with our money? Where do we want to give it? How do we want to spend it? And when you're looking at private education, you've got to decide where does that fall on our list of priorities? And if it is a priority, then what are we going to do to make sure that we're able to pay for that? 
and how do we get that into our budget? So it sounds like, you know, and this makes perfect sense. The first thing you would say to folks is, you know, well, you have to actually sit down and have a conversation, number one, and then two, make uh, out of flowing out of that conversation, start making a plan. And involved uh-huh. in that process is, of course, prioritizing what is important to you as a family. And then, uh, you know, then obviously when you put something at the top or the things at the top, then there's things at the bottom and those, you know, and those have to be eliminated or changed or, you know, knocked down, whatever. Right. Right. And so where do you, where do you often see areas that people can do some of that elimination to free up some of the space for their other priorities? Well, we take a look at, you know, a lot of people will call them, you know, the leaks in your boat. What is, what is making your, your financial boat sink? So what I find a lot of people struggle with are, is food. Going out to eat um, is always a really big one. And sometimes it's not the food. Sometimes it's the drinks that go with the food, you know? And the thing about drinks, if we're talking alcohol, is you, you know, very rarely are you going to get free refills on that like you do with soda. And so I work with a lot of people that I'm like, well, maybe let's limit that and just drink water because water is going to be a lot healthier for you physically as well as financially. Um, And then just going out to eat people, we go out to eat all the time and I'm guilty of it myself. And a few dollars here, a few dollars there can really, really add up. Mm-hmm. So an entertainment kind of goes along with that. When you go, go, excuse me, when you're going out for entertainment or travel or something like that, food always seems to be involved. Kids is a really, really big expense for families. You Not know, surprising. Right. We love to spend on our kids. Mm-hmm. We want to give them everything that is the best. You know, we want to give them what they ask for. And there are so many families that have a hard time saying no or wait. But, you know, when we think of it, the Lord doesn't give us everything that we want all the time. There are some times that he tells us no. And there are some times that he tells us we've got to wait. And so no and wait, we kind of need to not look at as being negative or bad because it can be good. So One I was- of the things that I have done with my kids when, when, and that when they ask me, you know, I'll, I'll, of course, and you're, I totally, I want to give my kids all the things that they want and all the best things too, because I love them and I like them to be happy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> my husband sometimes right. says I skipped mom and went straight to grandma. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, uh, you know, but we, yeah, we do, we do have, you know, priorities. We do have a budget. And so I will, I will tell my kids, well, you know, I would love to do this thing, you know, but we've decided for, you know, we're going to do swimming lessons this summer. So if you also want to do baseball, you know, you are going to have to give up the swimming lessons. You know, because, Mm -hmm. you know, so basically we have X dollars and, you know, maybe how we spend them is malleable. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, but my goal in that is trying to show the kids, you know, mom and dad don't have unlimited funds. And, you know, 
barring a miracle, you never are going to either, you know, so to help develop kind of that sense of trade-offs where, you know, again, what do I value more than other things? And I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. My kids are very young. I don't know how effective that is, but that's kind of something that I do just because, you know, it helps make my decision process transparent to my kids. So it doesn't seem like mommy's just being a meanie. It seems like, oh, mommy would love to give you everything, but there are limits to that. So, you know, let's kind of talk this through. Yeah. And what's so great about that, Joy, is that you have involved them in that conversation. So you are not making an explicit decision. You're inviting them to help make that decision. And that's giving them a great tool to think about that wants versus needs. Well, okay, so I could have this or I could do that. And that's what we constantly need to be asking ourselves. It's that priority. You know, when I was trying to pay off my house, there was a lot of times I would go, well, okay, Mm -hmm. I could buy this Mm -hmm. outfit or I can put it towards extra on my house. Which do I want more? Yeah. I do that all the time. Mm -hmm. I do that with our mortgage. You know, well, my weakness is besides kids, craft items. I like to craft. Oh, I look at that and I say, okay, well, you know, this set of paints or, you know, this fabric, beautiful. Mm -hmm. I love it. But, you know, do I love it more than I love having my mortgage, you know, paid off a week earlier or whatever, you know, whatever the case may be. And since that's a really big goal for for me right now, you know, it helps kind of put the weight on the the long-term goal that I have for myself. Yeah. And you just kind of think about, you know, well, what is going to, in the end, you know, six months from now, what will I be more happier about? Will I be more mm-hmm. happy that I bought this outfit mm-hmm. or will I be happy that my mortgage is this much further being mm-hmm. paid off? Here's something that I often think about. I mean, because uh, uh, we moved to this, to Fort Wayne from Washington, DC. So the cost of living is just, um, you know, it's amazing oh. in the difference. Mm-hmm. Um, and so one of the things that of course I notice is that <clears throat> Um, I don't think people, I mean, I'm pretty sure most people don't think about it this way, but it is really true, especially when they're selling this house, their house, it kind of factors in, but we don't think of it consciously that we are paying our, our public school tuition with our mortgage. So, mm-hmm. you know, we are already paying tuition. It's just through our mortgage, you know, instead of in cash, you know, through a check like you would for a private school. So I think that is an, an unconventional way, you know, that my family has, I mean, having a cheaper mortgage for us is directly funding, you know, my kids private education. And I think that's something that's more easily available in an area like Fort Wayne, other than it would be in a more expensive, higher cost of living kind of city. Sure. Absolutely. So let me just ask you this, Tina, when, when people come to you for a financial assessment, what is it that you think that they should expect? You know, so they're saying, look, you know, we're, we're trying to figure out how to make this work. We're not really sure, but we just kind of see what the path might be. You know, so they're going to come in and sit down and talk to you. And, and what's going to happen? Yeah. So what we would do um, is I like to send people a couple of spreadsheets to kind of work on ahead of time, because it's hard to just off the top of your head, think of all of your expenses Mm -hmm. that you have. And you can't 
do a comprehensive analysis of what's going on if you don't have everything. Now, I get that initially it's probably going to be a lot of guessing because most people don't have a budget. They're not living on a budget. So they know how much they're bringing in, but they don't necessarily know. And they know that they're spending everything. They just don't necessarily know where Mm -hmm. all of the money is going. So that's one of the things that we really want to figure out is where is it going? So I send them a spreadsheet that has them, that has, you know, a whole list of things of where their money might be going that they put in and say, you know, well, this dollar amount is going to groceries. This dollar amount is going to restaurants. This dollar amount is going to mortgage and insurance and um, kids clothes or tuition or whatever the case may be cars. Do they just pull up their bank statement and then plug it in from there? Yeah. Most of them will pull up their bank statement. And a lot of times they'll kind of forget. And like I said, you know, with, they're like, well, how do I figure out groceries? Mm-hmm. I have no idea how much I spend in groceries. And I said, well, look at your bank statements. And let's say you go to, let's say you go to Kroger or Walmart or someplace like that and you buy groceries. And I get you, it may not all be groceries. You might be buying mm-hmm. toothpaste. You might be buying paper plates. On average, what percentage of that of that money would be going toward groceries. Okay. So maybe 80% of that trip would have been dedicated to groceries. Mm -hmm. So if that, you know, amount in your checkbook was a hundred dollars, then maybe $80 of it was groceries and $20 was other stuff. So that at least gives us a starting point to kind of move forward. Um, a lot of times people forget about their pets and I will ask them, well, do you have any animals? Oh yeah, I have a cat or a dog. And I'm like, well, where are they in this budget? And they're like, oh, well, I kind of forgot about them, you know, cause they just eat the grass in the yard. I know. <laughs> yeah. It's like, well, how much, you know, let's put them in. We got to, I'm sure they're eating. So you've got to put in some dog or cat food in there somewhere and some litter if you've got a cat. Um, so it's just helping them then refine when we sit down and I ask a lot of questions about, um, cause inevitably they, uh, they overshoot or they undershoot, you know? Mm-hmm. So they are like thousand dollars on groceries mm-hmm. and, you know, $50 on, um, restaurants or something like that. And so we just try to kind of find an average um, as a starting place. And so you're basically helping them sift through their information to kind of develop a picture of their current spending habits so that once they know what they're doing, then they can decide whether what they are doing is what they want to be doing. Yeah. And we also take a really hard look at their debt if they have any debt, which the majority of them do. Mm-hmm. I mean, people do you know that don't have some kind of debt? Mm-hmm. So we look at the debt and we look at how much of their paycheck is going to debt. And sometimes that can be a really eye-opening. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
I've done that personally. That's really, that was really motivating for us. (laughs) Right. Just to think about how many, I mean, almost a thousand dollars a month, you know, we would have had in our pockets if we didn't have that debt. Yeah. Think of what you could do with that money if it wasn't going to debt and you look at the interest and how much you're paying in interest and possibly late fees. Mm -hmm. Could you be doing with that? Talk about, you know, being able to save for private education or something that's on your priority list that you can't seem to figure out how to pay for. If you would get yourself out of debt, that opens up so many options and opportunities for you. So we talk about how to um, snowball that debt and get rid of it as soon as possible. Um, We talk about creating an emergency fund. I think it is so critical that people have an emergency fund because when something happens, we inevitably go to a credit card and we add more to our debt. We panic. You know, when we're talking about money, like I said, it's very emotional and we, Mm -hmm. it can be an extremely embarrassing, um, and a shaming kind of feeling that we get with our money sometimes when we know that we aren't where we want to be. And I meet with a lot of people that are just in a lot of shame, feeling a lot of guilt. And sometimes they will just go, is, is there any hope for me? Oh, yeah. And I, you know, I'm like, absolutely. There's mm-hmm. all hope. I am not going to promise you that this is going to be an easy road, but If you're willing to put in some work and, you know, make some temporary sacrifices, there's always hope and there's always a way to change that situation. And on the flip side, you know, actually facing up to it, you know, and then just having a plan and moving forward on it feels so good. You know, you don't even have to, you know, have achieved your goals, but if you're moving towards them incrementally, that is such a huge lift of of a burden. Speaking from experience. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be, you know, people just say they feel like they are like looking at this mountain Mm -hmm. of, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, debt or whatever, that there's just like, there's no way I'm ever going to be able to scale that. Mm -hmm. And so I help them just kind of chunk it down and let's, let's not, let's look at the big picture, but let's try to set up some small steps to help you get there. And that just seems to make it a little bit easier is to go, okay, so let's, let's just do this one small step. And so before I let you go, Tina, do you have any specific resources or kind of directions or, you know, just kind of parting thoughts that you want to leave folks with? I think that, like I said, um, one of the biggest things is just to start creating a plan. And, you know, one of the things that I would do, if somebody's trying to budget, you know, make some room in their budget for private education. One of the things that I would recommend that they do is take whatever that amount of money, that tuition money is for the year and divide it by 12 So you have a monthly amount and then 
earmark that, you know, call it private tuition savings or whatever. And then, you know, every month that is a priority savings for you. And I, I would do it the same way that I tell people to do with giving. The problem with giving to, you know, your church or something is we usually wait until the end of the month and decide how much we're going to be able to give. Well, usually at the end of the month, there isn't anything left over mm-hmm. so to give anything. So I always encourage people to give at the beginning of the month with your first paycheck. And I would do the same thing with something like private education. If that is really, really super important to you and one of your top priorities, give at the beginning of the month when you know you have money instead of the end of the month. Because if you wait till the end, you're not going to have anything to be able to give toward that. And then at the end of the year, you know, you're going to have enough money and you're not stressed about being able to pay for that private education or whatever else you're trying to save for. Um, I would say, you know, the other thing is just that whole wants versus needs to really take a look at your values, like we talked about earlier. What is it that you really want versus what is it that you really need? And that can get really confusing sometimes for people. And I have to walk them through a want versus need. Um, Because like we've said, our emotions can get in the way there and our wants can very much feel like a need. Um, You know, there's, they can Google ways to save money or budgeting tips. There's lots and lots of information out there. I've actually just written a book that's going to be coming out um, hopefully in April if everything goes well. Um, Exciting. Yeah, that is about ditching the paycheck to paycheck Mm. trap. And I'm super excited about it. Um, But in, you know, and a lot of it is just my story because I've been where so many people are. I've been in that paycheck to paycheck. I've been in debt. I've felt that shame and embarrassment and that I, you know what, I'm a smart woman. Why can't I get my handle on money? Um, you know, and now I am very confident and I'm very secure and I'm at peace with my financial situation. And I love helping people get to that point also. And so when I sit down with in one of these budget meetings, that is my whole goal is to instill hope and confidence that they are smart and they can do this. And that whole exact process is the reason that we, you know, as a school decided that we wanted to go with a coaching process for financial aid rather than kind of a cold, dry formula, because, mm. you know, the, the folks on our school board, we've, you know, gone through the same kind of, you know, con- conversion, maybe you want to say, but just, you know, that feeling from, you know, being a slave, you know, to, to debt, mm-hmm. to being a slave, you know, to what you feel like is a low paycheck and then creating a plan and being able to come out of that. That is a transformative mm-hmm. experience. And it's not just money. Like, you know, we're saying it is a, a very personal personal growth, you know, thing, benefit relationships, uh, and, you know, one's ability to give to other people, to provide for your children, 
you know, it's, it's really a, a big thing. It's not just like a, you know, it's not just like something to stick in a desk drawer. It really kind of reflects who you are as a person and it can change and it can grow, it can be better. So we wanted, you know, to work with families and, or, you know, to bless them, you know, through the process. Um, and, you know, uh, because we know what is, you know, what's possible mm-hmm. for families. And so that's kind of the goal, you know, with uh, working with a financial coach through our financial aid process, through, you know, kind of the, the ideas that that old adage about, you know, helping people empower themselves, the old adage to, um, you know, teach people to fish rather than just giving them yes. a fish. And, you know, of course, there, there's absolutely a place for, you know, giving. There's, you know, people who have great needs and, you know, the, you know but there's people, you know, many people who have great needs also can, you know, develop into givers. And that's the ultimate goal, I think, for all of us, no matter where we are on that financial. Oh, journey. yeah. My, I think, you know, one of the greatest things about by being financially free is being able to give abundantly. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's just, it's so awesome to be able to, you know, if I know of somebody in need that I can send them some money and help them out and know that, you know, I have the ability to do that. And, and it's a win-win for everybody. Mm -hmm. And it shows Mm -hmm. them the light of Jesus. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. And it's the same thing as a parent being able to make a provision for my kid, my children in such a profound way, mm-hmm. you know, um, you know, to give them, you know, the kind of upbringing that is really important and dear to my husband yeah. and I. And so I, I know that many families feel that way. And so, again, there's a way to do it. There are ways to do it. You know, people can learn this, you know, not stuck. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so, you know, let's walk on this journey together, you know, with with folks uh, you know, with, with someone who's been there and, you know, and, and know, can teach you some really basic tools yep. to do it. Yeah. I would say, you know, one of the biggest reasons that people go on to hire me is just accountability. You know, they just need somebody mm-hmm. going, asking them, you know, those hard questions that they are afraid to ask each other or ask themselves, you know, and, and I tell them, you know, I'm, I, I may ask you some tough questions. Ultimately, it's your decision, <laughs> but I may ask you some, and they always know, yeah, we know you're going to ask us, you know, what we spend our money on, we're accountable to you, and, but they like that. Yeah, yeah. And I found that that kind of principle has been so helpful to me in other areas of life yeah. as well. Accountability is yes, good for us. It really <laughs> is because we're not very good at being accountable to ourselves. <laughs> you know, and there are times when your spouse, you know, you, there are just certain things that are really, that are hard to discuss. And sometimes that is money for couples. Mm-hmm. And having that third party involved in it can, can be really helpful and beneficial. Well, Tina, thank you so much for joining me and thank you for being willing to work with us. We look forward to, um, you know, all all the work that we can do with families to love them in a different aspect of their family. Me too. I very much look forward to meeting some of those families.